0: This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. This is now a week of our live streaming of worship. We are obviously sad not to all be in this room together, but I think in some ways we feel very united in ways that go beyond physical touch. For Christ is here. In this place with us, and Christ is right beside you wherever you are watching this. So remember that He unites us in ways far and near. We continue in a series of sermons on conversations that Jesus has, conversations that make a difference. There are some passages that are lengthy conversations of Jesus and someone, and we've been looking at those throughout most of the winter. This text was actually one we were looking at on January the 16th, but it snowed. And so, because I was scheduled to preach that day, I am back this day, Uh, Jim Singleton, wife of Sarah Singleton. No, I'm the husband of Sarah Singleton. That's what I am. Um, So let's hear the reading from the third chapter of John, where Jesus has a long conversation with a man named Nicodemus. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Jesus, Nicodemus, said to him, How can anyone be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with anyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and you don't understand these things? Let's pray. Lord, we want to understand these things. And we want to understand what you are speaking to us in your word, especially in the context in which we are living in these days. So allow your word now to penetrate our hearts. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. If you take an inventory of your life, you're going to discover that over your lifetime, you are involved in thousands, maybe even some of you in millions of conversations. Many of them happen within the family conversations about purchases or vacation, conversations happen with neighbors, Uh, what fertilizer are you putting on your roses this year, how are your tomatoes, we actually used to have conversations with people at work, but now more are happening on walks or on Zoom or on the phone. Right now we often ask, are you and your family well, and how are you dealing with this confinement, But I wonder how many of those thousands of conversations were actually turning points in your life. Maybe five, maybe ten. In the 1980s, I was an associate pastor for Young Adults in Mission in San Antonio, Texas. I loved being a pastor. The church is really my natural habitat. But in 1986, in the space of weeks two different professor friends, one named Pete, one named John, one named Pete, one named John, who never had me as students, incidentally, they pulled me aside in conversations that made a difference. They suggested that I go back to graduate school to get another degree so that I might one day be qualified to teach in a seminary. That was a very strange Notion to me, because no professor who had ever had me as a student ever suggested such a thing. I didn't really want to start all over in school to become something else. Yet there was something disturbing about those two conversations that happened so close together. Well, through many strange circumstances and remarkable support, in 1988, I actually came to Boston University for three long years as a doctoral student to pursue another degree. I started all over, and it was in those years that we actually, and it was in those years that we actually found ourselves coming to this church, Old South, in Newburyport. I actually preached a sermon here on the. On the Weekend of Memorial Day, 1989, and no one, not even me, remembers that sermon. And that's another story. I finished the program. I finished the degree. But I left again to go be a pastor for 21 more years. And I wondered, what were those professors thinking to send me back to graduate school to one day teach when really I'm a pastor? And then another conversation, 2011, 2011 president of Gordon-Conwell Seminary, who I did not know, called me to say he was looking for an old pastor who had a doctoral degree to come and help young pastors. Would I consider coming? Oh dear, now I was 55. I had finally learned how to be a pastor. Starting all over would be a huge learning curve at my age. It would be lots of starting all over. And yet it turned out to be one of those conversations that made a difference. And here I am. And as a byproduct to Old South, that conversation got Sarah into this place in the middle of this church, which would eventually lead to her becoming pastor of this place. Conversations sometimes can make an enormous difference. I know you've had those conversations too. The conversation here is with a man named Nicodemus. We just heard it. Nicodemus has some tremendous advantages, and he's got some significant obstacles. So notice with me three things about Nicodemus. One, he's a Pharisee. That word means a separated one. There were not that many Pharisees in Israel at the time of Jesus, 6 or 7,000. It seems like they appear on nearly every page of the Gospels. It was a lame movement that you entered into by taking vows in front of three witnesses that you would spend every day of your lives observing every detail of the law. There were rules and regulations that covered conceivably all situations in life, And like every movement that thinks it has it all figured out, Pharisees had accumulated a lot of spiritual pride. And that kind of pride can be an obstacle in coming to Jesus. The second obstacle for Nicodemus was that he was a ruler of the Jews. That means he was part of the Sanhedrin, the court of 70 members who had judicial and governing authority over all Jews. The chief priest was head of that body and one of the duties of that group was to make sure no false prophets, came. no false prophets came up in Israel. Now if you're in such a group always sniffing out false prophets, you might not be very open to what God is doing. The second obstacle in coming to Jesus is power. Power, pride, and power third, Nicodemus is a wealthy man. You notice that later in John 19 when he helps to bury Jesus by wrapping 75 pounds of perfume around Jesus' body for burial. 75 pounds. You and I buy perfume by the ounce. 75 pounds would have cost an enormous amount of money. That much perfume was also signed that he's willing to spend lavishly, which means he's probably accumulated some money. And the accumulation of security here on earth is a third obstacle in ever wanting to come to Jesus. And yet, my guess is that despite his pride and his power and his wealth, something, is missing in his life. Are you noticing in these weeks, as we've had so many things taken away from us, that something might be missing for you too? Lee Atwater had a reputation as a brutal, consummate political strategist and a hardball member of the Republican National Committee. He was the chairman of it at one point. Before he died of brain cancer in 1999, he became a believer in Jesus Christ, and he actually became a critic of what he called the DC mentality. Before he died, Atwater said, I had acquired more than most people, but you can acquire all you want and still feel empty. It took a deadly illness to put me eye to eye with that truth. But that's a truth that the country, caught up in its ruthless ambitions and moral decay, can learn on my dime. He said that almost 30 years ago. A deadly illness put me eye to eye with the truth that it's a truth that this country, caught up in its ruthless ambitions and moral decay, can learn on my dime. Nicodemus is intrigued with Jesus. Is Jesus someone who could do something with that emptiness inside? And so he begins his conversation with Jesus, his conversation with Jesus, by saying to Jesus that you must be a teacher sent from God. Perhaps Nicodemus is flattering Jesus with that label of teacher, but I don't think so. Because at this point... Jesus has done far more than John has told us in his gospel, and Nicodemus is impressed. But then comes the blunt touch of Jesus. Now, you might have thought, hearing you're a great teacher, that Jesus would have replied, thank you, you have very good taste, or you're wise. But Nicodemus says right in the middle of this seemingly flattery, unless you're born from above or born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. He starts it off by saying very truly I tell you. Now that interesting little phrase very truly actually in the Hebrew is the word amen. Now that interesting little phrase very truly actually in the Hebrew is the word amen amen. And that means true true. And any time you see those two words together repeated It's always Jesus' way of saying, Really, listen, yellow highlighter, please. Very truly, unless you're born again or born from above, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. It's true. Jesus is saying to enter the kingdom which is not heaven it starts now it's the spiritual realm in which God is in charge it includes heaven Nicodemus if you want to enter the real spiritual world you're gonna need to start all over no who something has to start all over Some of you remember in college that you had to take prerequisites before you could take other certain courses. To take upper division chemistry courses, which I never took, you always had to take organic and inorganic chemistry to get into those. You wouldn't understand how to do those courses without it. But oddly, we live in a culture now where people do what they want to do. And if I want to try to enter heaven without the prerequisite of being born again, I think I'll just do it. Because as Disney told us, all dogs go to heaven. Ha. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, something's got to start all over. There is a prerequisite. Now, to be born from above or born again does not mean that, you know, we've just done a few things wrong that need to start all new. Jesus is saying, there's got to be a new, there's got to be a new start. There's got to be something going all over we read the passage from Psalms, in me a clean heart, a new and right spirit put within me. Something starts over. Years ago, a group from a church we were in went each summer, they were teachers and they would go to Mongolia to teach teachers in Mongolia how to teach, but they would also be willing to share who Jesus Christ was. And I remember one year our group went and 20 out of the 20 Mongolian teachers received Christ during the two weeks of training they were together. Another year, 17 out of 20. They all realized, oh, to live the life I'm called to live, I've got to start all over. But in the conversation, Nicodemus can't understand this. He actually thinks about this literally and says, wait a minute, can you Go back into your mother's womb and be born again. He actually thinks about this literally and says, wait a minute. Can you go back into your mother's womb and be born again? What are you talking about? And Jesus is a little chiding and a little questioning that Nicodemus doesn't understand. We, You heard the passage in our assurance of pardon from Ezekiel about putting a new heart and a new spirit within us, that's Old Testament. That should have been known by Nicodemus. Nicodemus should have known about the valley of dry bones coming to life after death, but he seemingly doesn't understand how you would start all over, how you would become something new. And so Jesus reminds him that this It's gonna be like a strange wind that we don't know where it comes from and where it's going, but it's gonna blow upon you. You're gonna be born of water, which signifies probably baptizing his head. He's such a religious guy. You want me to be born again? You want me to start over? Ronnie was one of my best friends in high school. He was the quarterback of our football team. He was witty, he was smart, he was athletic. During our junior year, a number of us in my little circle of friends began a relationship with Jesus Christ. Ronnie wanted no part of it. He wanted the life as it was for him. He loved the popularity of being the high school quarterback, and he didn't need any Jesus to get in his way. But before his senior year, he made a fatal mistake. He agreed to go to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes conference because he wanted to learn from some people there more about football. He, he said, "I won't even be listening to what they're going to be talking about religiously. I'm just going to play better." And yet he came back play better. And yet he came back a whole new person. The wind of the spirit blew, and he started all over. Now somewhere in this text, after verse 10, Nicodemus seemingly exits stage left. He's not mentioned again. Jesus keeps talking, probably his disciples were around, but Nicodemus is gone. And yet, he shows up again twice later in John's gospel, wants to stand up for Jesus in a discussion with the Sanhedrin once, as I mentioned, to bury him, that the Bible never tells us whether or not Nicodemus actually had a new birth. Did he understand what Jesus was suggesting? George Whitfield, our founder here in this church, was a mighty preacher and founder here in this church, was a mighty preacher in colonial America. He wrote many letters to the very famous Ben Franklin. In one of them he said, I hope that as you grow more and more famous in the learned world, I hope that you will have made as much progress investigating the mysteries of electricity as investigating Jesus Christ. I humbly urge you to give diligent heed to the mystery of the new birth. It is a most important an interesting study, and when mastered, will richly repay you for your pains. We don't know if Nicodemus ever engaged Christ in this saving way. We don't know if Ben Franklin did, but both of them were intrigued with these people. Well, first, all who have experienced this new birth treasure it in their souls. It's exciting to recall again. You know, I was a preacher's kid and a church kid and pretty good kid in lots of ways, but I had missed the dynamic of the Spirit until Christ entered my life in a brand new dynamic way at a youth retreat in 1974, my junior year of high school. The real relationship began that day when three young people had a conversation with me about something I recognized I didn't have. And when they prayed for me it was as if my world went from black and white to color. And so I treasure what Jesus is telling Nicodemus about. There's a second group that needs to hear this passage and reflect on it. And they may have never actually had an emotional experience at a point in time they could remember. And in the book of Acts Paul talks with his young friend and in the book of Acts Paul talks with his young friend Timothy who seems to have grown up knowing the Lord. And that happens in some cases. This group just have a lifelong uh, faithful relationship with Christ, but they recognize looking back, I-, I got here because I somehow entered a new birth. A friend of mine once wrote, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know, it didn't get there by itself. And for those of us who have sometimes grown up just being wooed into the faith in a very slow and deliberate way where the rheostat of the light just got brighter and brighter, we realize, wow, I have entered the kingdom because somehow it all started with me very early. And we cherish it. But there's a third group that looks a little like the second group. That group's been around the church for a long time. Their parents were here. They were faithful attenders. They've done all kinds of good things. They go to church because in some respects, Sunday just doesn't feel right if they don't. Church because in some respects, Sunday just doesn't feel right if they don't. But when pressed, you discover they actually have no real relationship with Christ. And they get a little uncomfortable, in fact, with this language. They're good people. They're like Nicodemus in so many ways. But to tell you the truth, they haven't started all over again. And if you're in that place, this text is speaking to you. Harriet was like that. She was a gracious southern woman who lived in southern Virginia. She had been around the church her whole life. And through the years, she had developed a wonderful Christ-like character. She was a good person. And then 28 years ago, she came face-to-face with the reality that she had never actually come into a living relationship with Christ. She knew about Christ, but didn't really know Christ. I happened to be present, as was Sarah, at the event where Harriet finally, for her, it was like starting all over, as if she had been around it, but had not ever partaken of it. There's a fourth group that also needs to think about Nicodemus. They're good people, influential people. People so far who have been resistant to spiritual matters, some because of intellect, some because too much pride, some because it required too much uh, loss of sophistication to let down their guard, self-sufficient folks who think, oh, I can make it, I don't need all that. But you know, we're in a moment in this culture where you've got to begin to wonder have I got everything it's going to take to live through whatever is in front of us? And I want to ask some of you to think about do you think Jesus might want you to start all over? That's the response. You see to become a Christian a person starts all over. You as a child you can borrow, borrow a relationship with God from your parents, but somewhere in adolescence or after that you've got to own what's been borrowed, have you? The wind of the spirit may be blowing even in this very strange season of your life. There's going to be resistance something's going to try to keep us away. It might be intellectualism. It might be an immoral part of our life. It might be that we just want to procrastinate and put it off. Poor examples of Christians may keep you away. I don't want to be one of those. What about you? Are you ready? Could you be ready to start all over, to change directions? I love the little scene in Mark Twain, about Huckleberry Finn. He's brought to this moment a fundamental choice. He's got to decide whether to help this runaway slave or not. And Huck says, I was a trembling because I got to decide forever betwixt two things. And I note it. I think some of you might be, some of you might be betwixt two things right now. And maybe you're trembling. Paul Scherer, a wonderful pastor of 50 years ago, has a word that reminds me of Nicodemus, to take all that we are and have and hand it over to God, it may not be easy, but it can be done. And when it's done, the world has one less candidate for misery. I don't think I would want to live in the face of this coronavirus and not have my spiritual life alive with Jesus. If you're ready to start over, if you're ready to begin anew, if you're ready to be one less candidate for misery, then just pray this prayer in the silence of your heart with me. Oh God, if there is a God, and if your Oh God, if there is a God, and if your name is Jesus, and if this Bible is your Word, then I want to know it, and I'm willing to open myself to your claims. I'm sorry for my sin. I want to surrender my pride i want to surrender my power i want to surrender my excuses to you and i claim your promise that if i believe i'll become your child and that i can be born from above anew by your holy spirit bring that to me today O oh lord for it's in Christ. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.